One random morning, I set a goal to speak with 1,000 inspiring Africans in 10 years because why not? But seriously, if you take out your phone right now, go on Google and search for a popular African, I can bet that all you would see is two paragraphs or maybe three on Wikipedia talking about very basic things and ending with and is happily married with two kids. I believe that Africans must tell their own stories. I believe that young Africans need models who look like them. So it's one interview at a time published every Sunday until we eat a thousand interviews. My name is Dayo Moyo and this is the future. Hello and welcome to another episode of This is the Future. My name is Dayo Moyo. I trust you had a super splendid and productive week. On this week's episode of the podcast, I've got a very interesting guest. And instead of me introducing him to you, I will let him do the honors. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? Hi, good afternoon. I'm fine. And you? I'm super great. It's great to have you on today's episode. I'm really, really happy to to hear from you, hear your story, and to share it with my audience. Let's start like this. Can you kindly introduce yourself and a brief of what you do so that people who are listening will have an idea of who I'm speaking with today? Okay, my name is Antonio Nuba. Um, people call me Pen Boss, amongst other things, a writer, a multi-genre writer, actually. I write uh, poetry, drama, screenplay, all of that. And also, I'm the founder of Writer Space Africa. Writer Space Africa um, began, first of all, as a literary magazine published monthly since January 2017. We've not missed an edition. And in fact, we're working on the 61st edition for January. Uh, the magazine is five years old. And we've also grown into a not-for-profit foundation, although we are still upcoming. Um, we also have presence in about 21 countries. We have some members there who, if we want to partner to do um, to run things, they would. We also call them Writer Space Africa. For example, in Nigeria, we have Writer Space Africa, the Nigerian chapter, uh, Uganda, uh, Kenya, Malawi, Lesotho, South Africa. Uh, that's how we just uh, name them. So one of the things we do is to inspire writers to also assist in publishing, we do mentorship, we do training, we do a whole lot of things. Mostly we do them virtually, except for our writer's residency that we had in 2019. That one was held in Nigeria uh, for writers from Central and West Africa. Then in 2020, we had another residency in Kenya for writers from Southern and Eastern Africa. So usually those are the kind of things that we do. I also founded what is called the African Writers Awards. We started that in 2018. Uh, the first edition in 2018 was held in Nigeria. The theme was on the girl child and uh, stereotypes in literature. In 2019, we held it in Kenya with uh, cultural stereotypes as the theme. 2020, we held it in Zambia and the theme was on the African identity. And in 2021, that's this year, we held it in Tanzania. The theme was on the future of African literature. Next year's edition will be in Cameroon. 
So if you notice, what we try to do is to rotate the venues of the African Writers' Conference because you'd agree with me that one of the problems we have in Africa is mobility. Uh, so we try as much as possible to rotate within regions. For instance, we've now held in West, Southern, and East. Central Africa will be next year, which is Cameroon. So basically, that's what I do. I do everything literature, everything art. Um, and I branch off into film once in a while. I write movie scripts um, and also do, uh, do training on film. Thanks a lot for that. And I think that's really interesting. And um, it just brings me to the next question that where and how did writing start for you? Writing started for me um, in the early days of television. Um, then we usually, we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have satellites. Of course, no internet. All we had was black and white TV, and our TV stations never come on until 4 p.m. And we have the children's belt from 4 to 7. So usually from 4 to 6, they would show cartoons. Then from 6 to 7, there will be uh, younger adult um, programs. So there's a cartoon that fascinated me. It's actually an anime, a Japanese anime. It's, it was titled God Babies about babies that had powers and they were trying to save their village or something from the antagonist. So that inspired me first to start up a comic to, I think I was probably in primary two then or primary one. I actually don't remember. But I sat down and I just scribbled something down on paper. And then my dad had a lot of A4 sheets, those white A4 sheets. So I just put about 10 or 15 together, folded it like a book, and started uh, drawing what I felt was comics. I showed him he was really happy with it. So I now went on and wrote a story uh, t following the title of the anime, God Babies. So I named it God Babies. Of course, I was the protagonist in that story. It was like a children's literature, basically, because I was only a child when I wrote it anyway. And at that time, Robin Hood was also reigning. So what I did was to put, was to combine elements of Robin Hood with the anime and uh, one other uh, series that I'm not sure I remember now, and just crafted a story around it. So that's how I started writing. And I kept writing, but never published. I would buy a, an A4 uh, notebook and just fill it up with stories. Then it was, of course, paper and biro. I'll fill it up with different short stories. And I'll just call it book of books and then uh, give my schoolmates to read. Some of those books never come back anyway. Mm -hmm. But that's how I wrote until I decided to first publish a, poem, a poetry collection in 2005. So that's how my journey started, basically. It started from um, more like an experimental stage up until now. Right. So now what was the next step for you? And um, I think like a background to that question would be, did you now go on to study literature or English? Were you in art class? Then how were you able to take it from writing those um, play and stories as a young boy to doing it more professional, um, kind of making your craft and trade better in, in terms of writing? What was the step for you? Okay, well, I, I did not study literature in the university unfortunately i call it unfortunately because i wanted to study law but you know how the nigerian system is the professional courses 
are very competitive. So if you don't know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you're actually not getting it. Uh, so, but in my secondary school, which is also called high school, I was in art class and I was one of those that was um, selected to go for quiz competition, debates and poetry renditions to represent my high school. And in some of those occasions, we, we've won and we did really well. So that was what really kept me going. So in between all of that, I write poems, you know, put them in my book and all that. But when I finished, um, when I started working, one of, I decided then also, of course, to have a website, you know, have a blog, you know, push your writing out. So at that point, I decided that writing was something I really, really wanted to focus on. And also, at that time, I was, and I'm still in love with cinema. I enrolled in film schools, one here and one in uh, out of the country. And I also uh, started seeing the relationship between all genres. For instance, like I told you earlier, I'm multi-genre, so I can write anything, even articles or essays. And what that has helped me do is that there are some stories that I would realize that this story is a better fit as a poem, for example, or is better fit as a flash, uh, flash fiction. We are hoping that in the future, when our film studio is up, we can adapt many Nigerian stories to film. All right. So my next question... Many African stories, rather. All right. My next question would be that, so you started the Writer Space Africa for you, when you started the Writer Space Africa, what were you trying to solve? What were you trying to do with, with, with the Writer Space Africa? Okay, in the first place, it began as a writer service um, solution outfit. So we were going to be able to host website creation, but main issue wanted to solve was networking because release your book in Nigeria, let's say you are based in Lagos, in Ikeja, and you release your book. That book is only really popular within your network in Ikeja or maybe even Ikoi, depending on how large your network is. But it's not so popular in the entire Nigeria to start with, not even Africa. So there are many African writers that are on head of everywhere else, apart from their immediate vicinity. And the thing about networking is that it creates opportunity for a lot more things to be done and for progress to be made. And many of them that want to even put their stories down do not know what steps to take. And all of these things will provide them on our website because we want to get to the point where we can compete and also create an African literary space. Because currently we don't really have an African literary space. We just have people in different parts of the continent doing their things independently. But let's see how we can work together and grow our craft and also to grow and open markets for our literature. Right. So now you, we, you've got this idea. You begin executing it, Writer Space Africa. Now, what was the first step? Because you are a Nigerian. I don't know how, your, how vast your network was when you started. But how were you not able to get writers in Ghana, writers in um, other parts of Africa, basically? Okay, remember admission that we started first? Uh, um, we started a magazine in 2017, right. January. And the editorial crew for the first edition were all Nigerians. And it was not 
until February edition that the magazine actually became international. International in the sense that we had our first international entry, and that came from Ghana. So it was a Ghanaian that was actually the first person to send us works. So for the February edition, we had Nigerians and then a Ghanaian. And then for March, the number increased. You now had Kenya. You had uh, Ghana again. And then um, uh, you had Benin Republic also. And so that's how it kept increasing. And as it kept increasing, we uh, may continue to create our own network around the magazine. And so we realized that with every edition, it was more or less like reaching more grounds, reaching more people. And then by July, we had even changed the entire editorial team. The editorial team was now made up of people from all over the regions of Africa. Because as of June, we already had quite a lot of entries already. And what we try to do is to ensure that our magazine gives a voice to people who at least their work is good. And there are those that their work is okay, but we can fine tune a bit, we can edit, we'll do it. And somehow this little thing made a lot of people happy um, that works were actually published. And sometimes you read some people's bio and it's for Writer Space Africa, otherwise they would never really have had any international platform to be on. So basically it's the magazine. The magazine just kept growing and it has really um, been growing. The family grew because of that magazine. It's, uh, on the other part, everything that we do takes money. And the way we're able to do it is that, first of all, I recognize my identity as a Nigerian. Unfortunately, we do not have a good name outside. And I say this, I've experienced this several times, even within Africa, anytime I travel. I mean, the questions is just, is just annoying. So we tried as much as we could from the beginning not to get money involved or anything. We get the contributions locally. Or whoever wants to contribute, maybe $1, $2 outside, yeah, it's fine. But it's still a struggle because we do it ourselves. And then we try as much as possible to also ensure that we are transparent in our dealings. So the person handling our finances, for example, is not in Nigeria, is in Kenya. Um, so people that contribute can see we use the money for and all of those kind of things. We are still a long one far with uh, from where we want to be, but uh, gradually we are getting there. Right. So does it? Do you think that we get to a time where you would be publishing and selling books, probably an anthology? I don't know if you started that. But is, are there plans to do that um, if you've not started? Okay, coincidentally, again, in, you know, in 2015, I started a company called Acacia Publishers. Okay. So it was the company I was using uh, to publish. I also created an e-book store uh, because we need to have at least some e-book um, options as well. But those two, um, the e-book store, I... I mellowed down on it for some time. But the Acacia Publishers is still there. But that is not for Writers Press Africa. What we did for WSA as Writers Press Africa was to uh, publish an anthology in 2017. We titled it Unsettling Realities. It's a collection of poems. We offered it, um, if I remember, for free download and all that. But we are not going into publishing in terms of book publishing. We don't want to do too much. 
and we also want to remain not for profit. We have been able to also have partnerships with publishers across the continent. So when our, mom, our members want to publish, it's easier to say, okay, um, what country, what region, and then we ask them to meet those publishers and then they discuss from there. It's easier for us because we don't want to do everything. We just want to remain like a knowledge hub and also uh, a platform where we can interact, network, and learn. We'd like to just remain that. Right, I understand that. So if someone listening to this podcast episode who lost writing, has been writing, and would love to contribute to um, the monthly magazine, what's the step like? How do the person go about it? Okay, usually we have a call for submission every month. And the call usually runs for almost 30 days. The calls are usually themed. So at any point when you log into our website, the website is writerspace.net. Writers with an S, then space with an S. So you're having two double S in writerspace.net. Click on submissions. you see all the call for submission there. And by February or so, we're going to start calling for submissions for the African Writers Awards and the Wakini Korea Prize for Children's Literature. So all year round, we are constantly calling for submissions. We are constantly publishing authors, books established and new, uh, because this is what we love to do. It's our, it's our passion, really. We would want to push it as far as we can. Right. Now, um, let's talk about yourself for the time being. And so you mentioned that, for example, you publish Writer Space Africa every month, which I know that is a lot of work. And so it's, it, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, do you do this full time in terms of, I know you've mentioned that you also have a, like a publishing arm that is different from Writer Space Africa. So the question is, are you a writer full time? And um, if yes or no, is it possible to be a writer full time in this climb in Africa, considering the various factors that affect um, publishing and, and writing in general in, in this part of the world? Okay, um, first of all, not a writer full-time. Uh, why? The reason is simple. I do other things. Um, my last book, for instance, which is my seventh book, was published on the 1st of January 2021. And that particular book, I offered it for free download and offered it as an ebook. So I, I'm not gaining a kobo from that book. But other things I do occasionally is to do trainings and there I make some money or I do, I offer services like web design, you know, through the company that we have, uh, proofreading, those kind of things, or ebook design. So those are the ways that I can make money. And talking about being a writer full-time, everything has its preparatory phase. For example, if you write a book now, today, and your book instantly sells 1 million copies, and your book is maybe a 1,000 naira per copy or something like that. I think if my maths is correct, which, of course, I don't like maths, mm-hmm. that's probably 100 million. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's a loan can set you off to be a writer full-time. Because since that has worked, you can now use that to build your own structure that can sustain you. For example, from that money, you can do book tours and make more sales. You can hire a, an efficient marketing team that would ensure that you are out there far and wide. And you can also build your presence in such a way that 
whoever hears your name, they'll be like, ah, this guy is good. So that's being full-time. It's a very hard road. Because if even journalists, for example, no matter how much they, they pay them, most of them are still stuck in their publishing houses. A lot of them don't even write any book uh, before they retire in 30 years. Because really, sometimes when you think about it, we would wish that things were a lot better in Africa. But it's not as good as we really desire it to be. If you look at the movie industry, for example, what stops us from actually releasing a movie that would earn $1 million? I mean, $1 million is even small, maybe $100 million, $500 million. But a lot of the time, if you look at even the way we plan our things, we are too much in a hurry to do things. And because of that, we never get to that height. You watch a foreign movie and they'll tell you, oh, the budget for this movie is probably uh, $30 million, and then the film grossed $350 million. And you were like, but it's just a simple story that we have here. I mean, it's, it's our kind of story. But the difference always is preparation, planning, and passion. Um, fortunately, all of them starts with P. I don't know what that means anyway. But that's the difference, really. And so you can be a writer full-time, but have a target for that. For example, you can say, in the next five years, I'm going to resign from my job and I'll be a writer full-time. But you must have drawn up your strategy leading to that five years. Maybe in the first year, you'd have ensured that you have done A, B, and C, D, E. And then the next, the second year, you'd have seen results from what you said you do. And like that, you build yourself. Because just like they say, preparation meets uh, circumstance or opportunity or something like that. You have to be ready, really. And it takes time. It takes commitment. And this is why I would really encourage people to study the Japanese or the Chinese history. Because even when you look at, when you read their stories and follow the their stories of war and conquest. You see how they will take time to plan over time to achieve one goal. So why can't we do it as writers? Why can't we deliberately say, okay, five years, no more job. It's just me and writing. Interesting. Now, I would like to ask you a question. Do you believe that writer's block exists? Um, and if yes, how do one overcome it? Um, yes, there is something called writer's block. But what we don't realize is that writer's block is not complete. It's actually partial. Partial in the sense that you could be trying to maybe write a story currently. And then for some reason you experience writer's block. It doesn't mean that you cannot write a poem if you attempt to write it. It just means that, or it doesn't mean that you can't write another story if you attempt to as well. But it just means that for that particular story, your head is just, I mean, it's just gone. And I'll give you another instance. I have been working on a story for um, 2009, that's probably 12 years. In that 12, in those 12 years, I've gotten to chapter 5. That's the highest I've gotten to. And I have deleted chapters 1 to 5, um, probably more than 5 or 6 or 7 times. I will write, not be satisfied with it. Uh, delete, write again a year later, um, hit writer's block on that, delete, and um, I have not completed it because I've been struggling with that story. But in between those 12 years, I've written other stories, I've written other poems, written a ton of articles and all that. That's probably an advantage I have as a multi-general writer anyway, 
because if I had writer's block as a maybe as a playwright only, um, I think that I may be stuck on just that story, unless if I try something else. So yes, it exists, and the solution is not um, is not universal. Sometimes, if you have that block, spend your time reading, and you get new ideas. But the problem we have sometimes is that this thing called the mobile phone distracts us a lot. It's very distracting. So when you want to um, concentrate on maybe getting your mojo back or something, you can't. Then my next question would be that now um, you've got the opportunity to read stories from people from various African countries on the same team. And I'm wondering what kind of insights you see. So generally, what kind of insights you see, whether similarities or differences in writing, in writing style across the various African countries, considering the fact that you see it month after month, different people from various African countries writing on the same thing. Are there similarities? Are there differences? I would like to um, know about this. Um, to be honest, there are differences um, because everybody's culture is actually not the same. It would, um, it's not surprising actually because West African culture, for example, and the way we see things and experience things here is different from maybe Southern Africa. So the way we write or represent our stories is also different. Even if our setting is in is outside the continent, you would still recognize a Nigerian story when you see it. And some of the issues are not really the same. But the resounding theme that, of course, I mean, it's everywhere is that of love, uh, you know, betrayal, regrets, those kind of things. But you also have, like, for instance, in the general edition, you have people writing on um, Afrofuturism. Um, you also have a lot of articles on the economy of Africa using Zambia as a case study and all. So really, they are the month after month, the entries are varied, but still the entries are really, really good. And it's a tough time selecting, really, because we only have space for limited um, entries. So you can imagine if, for example, you get 200 poems and you can only feature 11 um, month after month or thereabouts. I mean, that's that's a problem that you need to really deal with. But, you know, I think that we're really talented people in Africa. Uh, we just need a platform for our voices to be heard. Then my final question would be, what's your vision for Writer Space Africa? So in the next five years, in the next probably 10 years, what are you looking forward to see Writer Space Africa achieve? And when you see it, you know that your work um, to, to a large extent has been done. You are fulfilled by what you are able to achieve with this space. In terms of fulfillment, one of the things that we work towards is to have physical structures in the various countries where we are so as to make it easier for people to assemble, you know, for us to have um, proper workshops and trainings. We we'll also we also want to be able to offer publishing grants because we really have a problem with our arts and 
cultural commissions or whatever they are called in the various countries. Most of these um, arts and culture, or arts and crafts, or arts and whatever um, government agencies are really not helpful to writers. So we need to be able to also get to the point where you, we can offer publishing grants and mobility grants to as many African writers as we can. Our target is basically African, and you know that means we'll have to split it within the five regions. And if anyone wants to contact us, you can just look for us online. Just search Writer Space Africa. Our websites, our, you can also type it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You'll see our handles. Um, we're available online to answer any questions and also give feedback and reply. Thanks a lot for your time. And this is what I have for you on today's episode of the podcast. Remember, the goal is to give inspiring Africans a platform to tell their stories and to show young Africans models who look like them. If you believe in this course like I do, kindly share the link to this episode on WhatsApp, on Twitter, and all your social media handles. You can also support me financially by giving me a tip on yushukran.com slash cr slash this is the future. That is u-s-e-s-h-u-k-r-a-n dot com slash cr slash this is the future. Remember, data is not breeze. Talking doesn't put food on the table. See you on Wednesday on the Let's Talk Africa series where I intend to speak with someone from every African country about their countries. My name is Dayo Moyo. Do have a lovely weekend. Bye.